that about, about Jesus' perfect love? I know throughout, through all my disobedience and my ignorance, man, that perfect love chased me down five years ago. And it wasn't nothing but of God and, and, and broke my heart. And I surrendered day in and day out from since then of the spirit of living God. To get more of self out and more of his spirit, his word, his power. And that's going to be what you're going to be able to hear tonight and be changed by tonight. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I just have a couple, one announcement. Ushers will come forth, please. Get ready to receive the offering. We have a men's fishing trip. Men will be going on a fishing trip on April the 21st and the 22nd. Sign-up sheets are in both foyers back there and right over there in the front of the church. This will be a great time for fun and fellowship for all men. And we have a couple of prayer requests. J.T. Colt, Brother and Sister Baggett, Johnny Ruth Hennigan, Brenda Bass, the Pierce family, and the Broxon family. Let's pray for them. Yahweh God, I love you. I can never praise you enough, God. Lord, I just thank you for your forgiveness, your mercy, your understanding, and your spirit, God. Lord, I pray that tonight you help us not to quench that. That, God, I just pray that, that through your word tonight that it will serenade in our minds sizzle down to our hearts and break anything that ain't of you. That we'll walk out of here differently than what we came in, God. And Lord, I just pray that your omniscience, God, you see these people, God, in this prayer request, Lord. You see Miss Johanna Hennigan. You see Miss Brenda Bass. You see the Pierce family. You see the Broxon family, God. You see JT Colt and brother and sister Baggett. Lord, you know what they need right now, God. They need a healing touch from you. Through the blood of your righteousness, God. And God, I just praise you for what you're going to do in their life and what you're going to do in our life tonight. God, I pray you take this offering, you use it, multiply it, and you bless the giver, God, and help it to bring your kingdom here to this earth. I can never thank you enough. I thank you for being my way, my truth, and my life that I can never think about living, but with you. And I pray all this in Yahshua, which is Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.
God. Amen. Well, thank all of you for being here tonight, for getting you and your family ready and dressed and show up in this nasty weather. I thank you for it. I want you to know that I feel a deep humility that I have the privilege to bring you the word of the Lord. And I mean that from the depths of my heart. I don't take it lightly. And how you choose to use your time through the day, through the week is up to you. But I feel a great responsibility to try to add value to your life for the next 40 minutes. And I take that seriously. And so tonight, if you have a handout, if you don't mind grabbing that and go ahead and getting your handout. And while you are preparing yourself for the word of the Lord, if you need a handout, raise your hand and Brother Marshall will come and see you. Brother Marshall, to your right are some people with their hands raised. And as Brother Marshall is serving you, how many of you know Brother and Sister uh, Broxon? His, his, it's not his real name. I don't even know his real name. I just know his, I know Skeeter, but I don't think that's his real name, right? I think that's his nickname because everybody in the Quincy has a nickname. So it's Skeeter Broxon, him and his wife, Sister Terry's his wife. She's, she's a sweetheart. She's a major, they're both major blessings to this church. And uh, he lost his father, who has, in my understanding, who has served as a board member and various other roles in the First United Pentecostal Church. But just wonderful people. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Saturday evening from 5 until 8, they're going to have a viewing for... Brother Skeeter Broxson's father at the First United Pentecostal Church and then Sunday at 2 o'clock. Okay, so if you could go by there or in any way, uh, just let them know you're praying for them. I'm sure that they would appreciate that. Everybody have a lesson? Again, thank you for being here. Let's pray. Father, for the next few minutes, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Seriously, if I stood here an hour, I could never say thank you enough for all that you have done. God, I thank you for every dollar that has been invested into the kingdom of God. I thank you for every hungry heart. I thank you for every saint of God. I thank you for every new believer. God, I thank you for my precious wife, our children, our sweet daughter-in-law. I just, I'm, my heart is full of gratitude at the goodness of God. Thank you for your word. Illuminate it. Bring revelation to us that, Lord, we may partake of it as bread, that it would feed our soul. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So if you have your lesson, I'm going to talk to you tonight about God and our future. Look, if you will, at Hebrews. This is the New Living Translation. Hebrews now in your notes chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 this is the new living translation it says don't love money be satisfied with what you have for god has said i will never fail you i will never abandon you now why did god say don't love money and be content in this verse and then he says i will never fail you i will never abandon you why does god put money and contentment in this same verse and then say, by the way, I'm never going to fail you. 
Well, one thing I learned as a young man is if dad invited you to go to dinner, always go to dinner with my dad because I knew he was going to pick up the tab. I mean, that was a given. If I went to dinner with my dad, no matter if it was a steakhouse or just a burger joint, uh, from the best to the least, it didn't matter. If I went with dad, dad always picked up the tab, always. And here's what I'm saying. God is putting money, he's putting money and contentment, and then he's dropping in the line, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you, because he wants you to know that you don't have to worry about money, you don't have to worry about being content, because that's a, that's a big area of worry in our life, and God is saying, I'm not going to fail you, and I'm not going to abandon you. If you will do what I ask you to do, I promise you that I am true to my word. Can I get an amen? amen? See, there's a lot of fear right now in our world. There's a tremendous amount of fear among people. But I just come to encourage you tonight to all of you sweet believers. I come to encourage you and to remind you that we can be the most confident people on the planet. Why? Because we're not confident in the almighty dollar. We're not confident really in anything other than Christ. Because he is the rock. He is the anchor. He is the well that shall never run dry. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I don't want to scream at you tonight, but through passion coming out in my spirit, I want you to understand that no matter what takes place, that no matter what you hear on the news, your God is bigger than that. Your God is stable. Your God is not about to fall off the throne. Your God is not concerned about the U.S. economy. Your God is not concerned about the leadership in the White House. Your God has everything in the palm of his hand. God is in control of America, of the world, and of you and your family. Can I get a witness on that? You know, if, if I open up my Bible to Hebrews, I know that it goes on to say, I don't have it in your lesson, but I know it goes on to say, the Lord is my helper. Look at that next verse. The Lord is my helper. I will not. Guess what? That is a choice that I'm making. I will not. Remember? Then go back to another verse that says, I will bless the Lord. That's a choice. I will do it, right? I don't have to do it, but I choose to do it. Here it is again. I will not what? Fear. I'm not going to fear. Why? Because I know God. And I know that God is in control. Not only of right now, but he's in control of my future. So the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Then it goes on to say, what can man do to me? What, what that means is if man destroyed your flesh, he can't destroy your spirit. It's like Paul says, for me to die is gain. For me to live, guess what? I'm here in the body. I'm going to help you. But when I die, that's gain for me. Why? Because as soon as I leave this earth, I don't die. My spirit goes into the presence of God right? So that's what he's saying. Don't, you can't, you don't fear what man can do to you. He, God does not want you to fear. Why? Because God is good. Say it. God is good. How many know that's true? How many know that your God is faithful? Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you of this. 
that where you spend eternity is the biggest problem you have. And God took care of your biggest problem. Do you agree with that? If God, I want you to get this. I want you to get it in your spirit. If God can take care of your biggest problem, which is where you're going to spend eternity, don't you think he can take care of every other problem that you bring to him? If he got that figured out, I promise you he can get the rest of it figured out. Can I get a witness? So no matter what happens in our future, here's what the scripture says. You're not going to go through it alone. Look at your neighbor and tell them that they need to hear it. You're not alone. Some of you tonight, you may be struggling with anxiety. You may be struggling with fear or worry. I want you to write this down. It's going to come up on your, on the screen. I want you to write this down. Every fear is a misunderstanding of who God is and what he's promised. That's good enough. We're going to say it again. Every fear, you got to say that out loud to yourself. Every fear is a misunderstanding of who God is and what he has promised. Some scholars say there are 6,000 promises in this Bible. Other scholars say there's 7,000. I don't know. Personally, I haven't counted them all. Okay. But listen, whether it's six or seven, that's a lot of promises. Whether it's 6,000 or 7,000, right? My point is this, is that every fear is a misunderstanding of who God is and what he has promised. One of the great studies that you can do, there's a lot of great studies. Um, you can do a study on characters such as Paul, Jesus, Daniel, Joseph. You can do a character study. You can do a word study such as anointing, salvation. Uh, but one of the great studies that you will ever do is to study the nature of Christ. Because when you understand the nature of Christ and what Christ is like, and if you knew his promises and you knew that he would not fail, you know what? Some of you, your anxiety levels would go down. You wouldn't fear as much because you know God's not after you. God's not against you. God is for you. God loves you. He wants you to go to heaven. The longest 18 inches is from your head to your heart. And it takes a long time for it to go from here to here. But once it goes from here to here and you are convinced, y'all, I don't say this arrogantly. I promise you I don't. God knows I'm not saying it in an arrogant way. But I'm going to tell you this. I know God. And I know he knows me. I am his son. And I have no doubt about it. When you get that from your head to your heart, it changes you. And I don't serve God out of fear anymore. I don't serve God because I need fire insurance. I don't serve God because I'm afraid that God's going to, you know, put judgment on me if I don't do it just right. Why? Because I have studied the nature of God. And the nature of God is to do you good. The nature of God is to increase you, not decrease you. The nature of God is to lift you up, not put you down. Now, if God disciplines you, he still disciplines you, not out of anger or abuse. He disciplines you out of love. Because he wants you to get back on the right path because he knows the path you're on is going to lead you to destruction. And he wants to lead you to life, an eternal life. Amen. We're talking tonight about God 
and our future. Here's the first thing about God and our future. God promises, God promises to guide us when we're confused. Here's what I know about life. You're going to face many, many decisions. I already know that. I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that. I already know that. You know that. You're going to have many decisions to make in your life and some you're not going to know what to do. What do you mean? Do I buy this house? Do I not buy this house? Is this the right girl for me? Is this not the right girl for me? Do I make this investment? Do I not make this investment? Do, do I stay here or do I go there? But here's, here's what I'm telling you. When, when, when you have those decisions, then you settle in your mind this, that God promises to guide me even when I'm confused. You say, how do I know that? I'm going to show you. Proverbs, here it is, 3, 5, and 6. It's in your notes. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you what path to take. I had people come and say, I don't want to miss the will of God. I said, are you praying for his will? Yes. Do you want to do his will? Yes. Then you're not going to miss it. Because God is not playing peekaboo with you. God ain't playing hide and seek with you. He ain't playing games with you. He's not like, well, I, I'm going to watch and see if you get this right. No, God is not like that. When you seek the Lord with all of your heart, he shall be found. God don't want you to go right when you need to go left. He wants you to go left when he wants you to go left. This is why you need to seek the Lord with all of your heart. Once a week, no. God would rather you pray 10 minutes a day than an hour on Saturday alone. Give us this day our daily bread. God is not going to show you I'm trying to do better. I got to pipe down. Okay, take a deep breath. God is not going to show you the five-year plan. Because if he showed you the five-year plan, you wouldn't need him until the five years is up. Here's what I've learned about God. God doesn't explain himself. He reveals himself. As you go, I will show. Why? Because the number one thing he wants with you is relationship. And if he gave you, if he gave you too much, then you wouldn't need to depend on him. This is why it's a daily thing. Go to the Lord. Lord, I, I wake up pretty much every morning and I say to him, Lord, I've never lived in this day. I've never lived in this day. But I want to thank you for letting me breathe all night last night and I didn't even know it. Thank you for waking me up in my right mind. My wife questions that sometimes, but I thank the Lord for waking me up in my right mind every day. And then I say, Lord... I need, I need the bread for today. When I read your word, I want you to illuminate your word to me so that it feeds me afresh. How many know you can read that same verse and then, man, when God quickens it to you, it's fresh bread, isn't it? That word is living. My daddy would tell me all the time, Wayne, he said, out of the millions of books that have been written, son, there's only one book that is alive, and that is the word of God. It will feed you. So I pray, God, give me revelation as I read your word. See, Paul never did pray, y'all, for revival for the New Testament church. It is not in there. Never pray for revival. You know what Paul prayed for? Here it is. That your understanding, your eyes would be enlightened so that you may see what you already are and what you already have in Christ. 
And here's how we are. We're like a dog chasing its tail, thinking that we need to get something from God. We need this and we need that. And we're begging God instead of believing God and realizing that everything we need is already in us. The kingdom of God is within you. And the reason why you don't get more is because you don't believe that. But when that gets from your head to your heart, then you just say, God, you know what I have need of today. I'm not here to beg you for anything. Hallelujah. Whether I'm a bound or a base, I'm going to be content because I know that you are ordering my steps. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to live in fear. Hey, there ought to be something different on the inside of us as believers that we are not living and acting like the world. Hey, they ought to look at us and say, man, I see you're whistling, you're smiling. I don't get that. What's your deal? And then you ought to be able to give them a hope for why you are doing what you're doing. I'm just here to tell you I got God on the inside and I know that God is in control and I'm not afraid for tomorrow because the Lord is directing my steps. Can I get a witness? So why, why should I trust God, Pastor? Because he has a perspective about your future that you don't have. Okay, let, let's, here's the picture I want to paint for you, okay? Right now, in your mind, you're, on, you're going up a mountain on a very curvy road, okay? And you're behind, you're behind a guy who's pulling a camper, and, and he, he's not trying to get anywhere in a hurry. And his window is rolled down, and he's looking out the window, and he's talking to his wife, and he's telling her every little tree that he passes, he's calling it out, and you're like, you know, I got to get around this guy, but I can't get around him because it's so curvy. I don't know what's ahead. Wouldn't it be great if you had a buddy that had a helicopter and your buddy was up there in a helicopter and he called down and he said, Wayne, put the metal to the pedal, son, because there's nothing ahead. You can pass him. What are you saying? I'm saying the guy in the helicopter has a different perspective than what you do. Are you with me? See, the Bible says that God is up high and he looks down low. And God has a perspective about your life that you don't have. That's why it's not, it's not within man to order his steps. But when you talk to God, God's got a perspective about your future that you need. And when you get in tune with it, guess what? A lot of your fear and anxiety begin to melt. Here's the second great promise about your future. God's going to help us when we are tempted. Here it is. It's coming up on the screen. God is going to help us when we are tempted. Here's the scripture. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. No temptation. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted above your ability. I'm going to just share this with you. Uh, when Jan and I went to Columbia, Maryland, I had to be gone four and five days a week to earn a living. I traveled extensively, uh, particularly in the, in the East Coast, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, um, all of those smaller states on the East Coast. So I was gone a lot. And this just really stands out into my mind I was in a hotel. I'd been gone from my wife and I'd been gone for several nights and just the spirit.
spirit, just a strong spirit of temptation came over me. And I started thinking some stupid stuff. And when I finally got my senses, I just started praying. I just said, God, oh my God, this is stupid. And I said, God, help me. And I literally just stood up and I started crying out to God that God would help me during this very strong urge of temptation. And about that time, my phone rang. It was Janet. Janet said, Wayne, what are you doing? And I said, I'm praying. She said, what's going on? I said, I'm just glad you called. And she and I talked for, I don't know, a little while and it just like eased up and it left. But I'm here to tell you, I know that there's been many times I have been tempted because I'm human. And I'm not going to get up here, ladies and gentlemen, and not be honest with you. It aggravates me to no end for preachers to act like they're better than you are. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I put my pants leg on just like you men do. I'm just a man just like you. The only thing different is I got a call that puts me on the stage. Other than that, I'm not any different than you. I have to battle in my mind just like you men have to battle in yours. And for me to get up here and act like that I'm better than you is wrong in my opinion. I want you to understand something. You're going to be fighting temptation for the rest of your life. I have been serving the Lord for 47 years now and it hasn't gotten easier. If anything, it's gotten worse because you know what? The enemy don't take a vacation. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy and he doesn't care how long you've been serving God and I'm here to tell you, here's what I found out. If you're trying to do something for God, the enemy doesn't have a vacation in your life. Now, now the Lord has helped me and I'm very thankful for that. But listen, you say, it's just too much for me, pastor. No, it's not. If you will seek the Lord, he is true to his word. He will provide a way of escape for you. Has God ever done that for anybody in this house? You see all those hands? Yes, he will. So you might be tempted. I've never told you this, but you might be tempted to be depressed. Depression may just fall in your family and you might be tempted to be depressed. Anxiety, a lot of worry. My mama was a worrier, so I have a tendency to be a worrier. I'm fighting that. I'm trying to change my mindset on that so that I don't worry. The enemy will attack me many times at night. Many, many times in the night I wake up and the enemy is doing his best to attack me and to cause me to worry about things and um Sometimes I just tell the devil he's stupid and roll over and go back to sleep. And sometimes it's more of a vengeance. And I just, I get up and I just begin to pray until I get a release. But here is what I'm telling you. Sometimes if depression runs in your family, then you can be tempted to just to fall into that. And I want to tell you, fight it. If you're tempted to be anxious like me, fight it. You can overcome it. Not without a fight, but you can overcome it. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live depressed. I can tell that's going over like a crocheted bathtub. 
but it's okay. I'm going to tell you what I believe in the scripture. The, 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 the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. God has not given us. Now, either I'm going to believe God in his word or I'm going to get out. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm making a choice. Either I'm going to believe this word or I'm going to get out. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And if I can have it, then I'm going to reach for it. I'm going to keep reaching for it. Are you with me now? Okay, I want them to throw something up on the screen. I think it's really good. I tell you this quite often. But have you realized that Martin Lloyd was a minister? He said this. He said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Oh, man. I'm going to tell you that right there. I just dropped a gold nugget on you. It's not in your notes, but you ought to write it in your notes. You know what you do? You get up and you start talking to yourself about what you don't have. Who you're not. You know what it does? It breeds discontentment in your spirit. This is what Paul is saying. Listen, he's saying, whether I've been in the palace of Rome or I've been in the prison of Rome, it makes no difference. I'm content in Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You have to learn that. Because you, you were born into this world selfish. And you have to learn contentment. And you can't do that without the Spirit. That's why you need. That's why we all need the baptism of the Spirit. Because we can't live this life. Can't. Can't live this. I'm going to just keep talking to you, sweet people. Listen. We've made, we said some things are hard that are not hard. I'm going to tell you what's hard, and that is being like Christ. Being full of the fruit of the Spirit every day. Exhibiting self-control. Come on, men, talk to me. Most men have an anger problem. Oh, don't look at me like I lost my mind. You know I'm telling you the truth. Most men have an anger problem. And yet Jesus hung on the cross when he knew that it was possible for him to call 72,000 angels down. You want to talk about self-control, sweetheart. That's self-control beyond what you can imagine. To know that the very people you created were crucifying you over nothing. You didn't do a thing. Listen, spank me when I've done wrong and I'll be man to take it. But spank me when I haven't done anything wrong. And I'm going to tell you something. Bitterness can get in your heart. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And yet he forgave and he exhibited self-control. That's why I say that fruit... Fruit, fruit in this kingdom is the only kingdom that fruit is a weapon. That's how Jesus overcome the, the Satan was the fruit that he exhibited on the tree. Okay, I got to keep going. Thank you. Let's go back to that. I, I want to get this in your spirit. Okay. Have you realized, please go back. Um, there you go. That most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Here's why that I encourage you to memorize the word of the Lord. If you see me, I'm just talking to you. If you see me up here praising God, most of the time what I'm doing is I'm quoting a lot of scriptures. I'm quoting a lot of scriptures just in praise. Just in praise. See, the... the <laughs> 
Jesus didn't have a little New Testament when Satan came to tempt him. <laughs> you mind sitting over there and waiting just a minute so I can find my favorite verse? <laughs> Here it is. Whoa, I got lucky. No. Hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. My daddy made me memorize scripture all the time, made me quote three commandments every night. And then I had to say this first. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, a loving favor rather than silver or gold. Almost every night while he was putting the word of God in my heart. Put the word of God in your spirit so that when temptation comes, you can quote it. There is no temptation known to man that God won't make a way of escape. Devil, you're a liar. Temptation always looks better than what it is. Las Vegas ought to be called lost wages. Because I'm going to tell you something. It looks good, but when you walk out, you ain't feeling too good. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Hide the word of God in your heart. Okay? You there? Here's what the Bible says. Here's a verse for you. A verse for you. Hebrews, right here, 4 and 15. Jesus was tempted in every point as we are. What's the points? There's three points. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Oh, well, Jesus wasn't tempted with cocaine because cocaine wasn't there. You're right. It doesn't say that Jesus was tempted in everything. He said in every point. And every point, what's the points? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He was tempted. Satan tempted him in all three of those points in the wilderness. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Temptation is just a choice. Okay, I lost you, so I want you back. Say this with me. Temptation is just a choice. So don't get intimidated by it. The old saying is, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from making a nest there. Okay, I want you to get this. One leader said it like this. I want you to see this on the screen. Attraction is not a sin, action is. Oh, come on. I'm going to say it again. Attraction is not a sin, action is. Here's another way of saying the same thing. We can't control what gets our attention. We can't control what keeps our attention. Okay? I'm going to just get transparent with us guys. You can't control if a beautiful woman with curves comes in front of you. You can't control that. What you can control is what keeps your attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about, men. You can't control that she came across you. You can control what you do now with it. Hmm. You ladies, let's move on. Let's go back to the men. Is that funny? Okay, here we go. Back to the men. Lust is when you start to say, I want that instead of who or what I have. See, 
Love always gives. Remember this, guys. Love always gives. Lust always takes. Okay? Well, I wonder if I'm loving her. You are loving her if you're giving. You're not loving if you're taking. Understand the concept. You with me? Okay. It's not a sin for what attracts you. Okay, it's not a sin for what attracts you. Some people are attracted to barbecue ribs. That's not a sin. But it is a sin if you eat five pounds of them. Everything, ladies and gentlemen, dress. I don't preach just dress modest. I say everything in modesty. Everything in modesty. Are y'all with me or did I lose you? Everything in modesty. All right. Here's one thing about temptation. Okay. If we learn to talk about it with a trusted friend, it begins to lose its power. When you have a temptation and you keep it a secret, listen, men, it's going to get worse. Why? Because you're only as sick as your secrets. Y'all, I'm going to tell y'all, if I had the most improved Christian award to give it to, not that a lot of you haven't improved, you have, but if I had the most improved Christian award, I'd give it to Sherry Bro. I would absolutely give it to Sherry Bro. Sherry has gone through, I think now, is it two-step studies? One? And I have seen a phenomenal change in Sherry. In fact, I've asked Sherry, I said, Sherry, would you please get brave enough and courageous enough to come and just speak just a couple of minutes on the power of a step study? Why are you saying that? Because you were not designed to do life by yourself. And when you are tempted, if you've got a buddy or close friend, I'm not talking about Facebook. That's don't go on Facebook with it. That's stupid. But if you have a close friend that has proven themselves, you can trust them, then you need to go and tell them because you're only as sick as your secrets. And when you can tell somebody, it breaks the power of that. And then you just say, hey, hold me accountable for the next 30 days. Ask me the hard questions. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. You have a phone. And this is going to take a lot of people to hell. Come on, don't y'all get pious on me now. I'm going to call you out. I said, this is going to take a lot of people to hell. I don't care if you speak in tongues on a Sunday like a Chinaman. The enemy, ladies and gentlemen, is after you. And you have to understand you have a target on your back. And you have got to gird up the loins of your mind. Yes, you do. I did it today. Great. Guess what? You got to wake up in the morning and put on the Lord Jesus again. You got to put on the whole armor of salvation again. Are you with me? Okay. Are are, are we still communicating? Okay. Here's what I've learned. If you can't talk about it. Oh, I can't talk about that. It's already out of control. Oh, I can't tell nobody that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Get ready. Take heed. Take heed, lest you fall. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. 
Just, just say, you know what? I'm human. I'm going to keep encouraging all of you men, all of you sweet sisters. I'm going to keep encouraging you. Get somebody that you can do life with, Amen. that you can trust. Okay, now for the next couple of minutes, let's talk about the difference between temptation and trouble. Up on the screen. Temptation is inside of me and temptation has to do with my character. Trouble has to do with my circumstances. Okay? Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. I keep telling you this. I'm going to keep telling you this. This is not heaven. This is earth. And everything on the earth is broken. Relationships are broken. The weather is broken. Lives are broken. Hearts are broken. Why? Because you will have trouble. Because there is sin. This is not heaven. On earth, listen to me please, God's will is seldom done on the earth. Come on. Come on. Amen. You say, I don't believe that. Well, sweetheart, just look around. Are more people in wickedness or more people saved? Well, God's will is for everybody to be saved. That no one be lost. Come on. So God's will is seldom done on the earth as it is in heaven. Are people sick? Well, we know that in heaven, sickness is not there. It's not God's will. See? Sometimes you hear when, when there's a big disaster, people will say, well, it must have been God's will. Well, it must have been God's will. New York is such a wicked city. It must have been God's will for those towers to come down. I don't believe that. I don't. I don't believe that was God's will. Why? Because I don't believe God is the author of evil. So you mean to tell me that there, there, that people's sin in New York is worse than the people's sin in Houston? That don't make sense. Don't make sense, brothers and sisters. Sin is sin. No, I don't believe. I don't believe that. You're welcome to your belief. I'm not trying to cross swords with you. God is not the author of evil. God has refrained, he is reframing himself because he knows his day is coming. He's going to judge both the living and the dead. The great and the small, all are going to stand before him on judgment day and give an account. Does that make sense? See, if a person goes out and they got drunk and then they got, you know, killed in a bad accident, that wasn't God's will. It was their will. They willed to go out and get drunk and get behind a wheel. God had nothing to do with that. So we can't blame evil on God because it's not in his nature. Now, it doesn't mean that, that when evil comes, God is against you. What it means is, is that evil comes because we live in a broken world. Now, God, can, God is so good that he can take the evil and turn it around and make it and cause it for your good. But he's not the author of it. All right, I'm going to hurry. Here's Isaiah. Let's look at this. Here's Isaiah 43. New Living Translation. One of the great promises in the Bible. When you go through the deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. I'm going to support you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you're not going to drown. And when you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. For I am the Lord your God. Now notice this. He didn't say you wouldn't get wet. He said you wouldn't drown. 
He didn't say it's not going to get hot. He just said you wouldn't burn up. He didn't say you're not going to go through some stuff. He just said, I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I am your helper. I'll never fail you. Are you with me? You say, well, pastor, I don't feel very strong right now. Here's what I've learned. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. And God doesn't give you tomorrow's grace today. He'll give you tomorrow's grace tomorrow. My grace is sufficient for you. Here's another promise that may shock you. We're talking about God in your future. Here's another promise. God promises to repay those who hurt you. See, I don't talk about hell much. I don't preach on hell much because I don't, I just, it's not, to me, it's not good news. It's not that I don't believe there's not a hell. I do. It's just not good news. I, I want to tell people good news. But here is why I do believe in a hell. I'll tell you why I believe. It wasn't designed for you. It was designed for the devil and his angels. But I'll tell you why I believe there's a hell. Because you mean to tell me that Adolf Hitler can kill six million Jews and all he's got to do is take a revolver to his head and it's over? Talk to me. There's no reckoning day for, for the atrocity that he committed? No. I have a problem with that. Just because justice is delayed don't mean justice is denied. I'm going to say that again. Just because justice is delayed and it looks like all he's got to do is put a bullet in his head and he's out of here. Nothing to it. Justice delayed is not justice denied, ladies and gentlemen. Every knee shall bow before him and every tongue shall confess. There is a judgment day coming to Adolf Hitler to Mussolini, to Stalin, to Saddam Hussein, and to the abuser, to the abuser that never repents, God is after that person. You say, where was God, Pastor Wayne, when I was being sexually abused? I'm going to tell you where he was at. He was up in heaven grieving over what men do to men and women do to women and men do to women. He was grieving just like he was grieving over his son. When humanity crucified him for being perfect, catch a whiff of that. I said, get a load of that. He was grieving over what men do to men. That's where he was at. But why didn't he stop it? It would be real easy, ladies and gentlemen, for God to stop all the evil in the world. Just take your choice away. That would be real easy. You say, well, I'm a good person. He doesn't need to take my choice away. He needs to take the bad person's choice away. But the fact of the matter is you've hurt people. There's not a person in this room that hadn't hurt somebody. If you've been married, I promise you, you've hurt your spouse. And you've probably hurt your kids. I'm not talking about physically, but you've probably hurt their feelings. And if you're an employer, you probably hurt your, your employees' feelings a time or two. Come on, do I have any real people in this house? Well, sure, we've all hurt people. We just don't think, you know, that... We just don't think our sin's that bad. That's the truth. Everybody else's sin, God, you need to get them. But my sin, please show me grace because it ain't that bad after all. Right? It's like the pot calling the kettle black. It's exactly what Jesus said. You can see, you know, you can see the splinter in their eye. You can't even see the big old beam in your own. Right? So we've all hurt people. So all God has to do is take away all of our choice and then evil's gone forever. 
But he's given us a choice because love can't express itself without a choice. Does that make sense? Okay. Can, can y'all hang in here just a couple more seconds? Okay. So if he's going to be fair, he can't just take away the world's freedom. He's got to take away everybody's freedom. So here's what I know. That God is going to judge every man, woman, boy, and girl. And nothing escape his attention because he keeps perfect records. How do you know that? Because here, here's what the scripture says. And I'm almost done. I'm not, I'm not through. I'm going to just stop. Psalm 56 and 8. It says this. God stores up your tears in a bottle. Every tear you've ever shed, God has stored it up in a bottle. What, what does that mean? It means God keeps perfect records. He knows the people that's hurt you. And if they do not repent, trust me. They're going to give an account over that. And here's why. I'm going to say this and then we'll go. Okay? Here's, here's, here's why God doesn't want you to waste one second of your life on resentment. He doesn't want you to waste one second of your life on retaliation and revenge and trying to get even. Because that's just going to poison you with bitterness. Here's what Romans 12 and 19 says. Never avenge yourself. Leave that to God. For he said that he will repay those who deserve it. And brothers and sisters, if you're not careful, it doesn't mean, I can't get into this, it doesn't mean you got to be a doormat. Okay? You can have boundaries in your life and still forgive people and not let them keep on abusing you. Okay? But you must, as a Christian, forgive them. You say, why, Pastor? Because God doesn't want you to waste one second of your life with resentment because it's going to breed bitterness. And God is telling you right now, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to take care of that. I will repay. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's the King James Version. I will repay. He wants you to forgive. Just like he did on the cross. He was your perfect example on the cross. Let it go. Shout it out. Let it go. Let it go. You can do better than that. Say it again, please. Let it go. How do I do that? You just keep, you just keep bringing it to the cross. That's right. That's right. Okay. Let's stand. Thank you. You're, you're just incredible people. You're incredible. I love you. Okay, while you're standing, I'll leave you with this. You know what? If you cut yourself, it's a paper cut. It hurts. It burns, right? You may even get a little bit of blood, but by the nightfall, you'll be all right. But if someone literally took a knife and they stabbed you in your arm and it went all the way down and it cut every vein and muscle in your arm deep, guess what? That's going to take a little longer to heal up than a little paper cut. Depending on how deep you've been cut, normally depends on how often you got to go to the altar and release it. And we have taught you, come to the altar, repent, give it to God, and you're all good. And I'm going to tell you, that's not true. It's not. It's the start. But when you, your heart has been broken, you say, Pastor, how do I know when I'm over it? 
Well, let's just go real quick with that analogy I gave you. You have a long sleeve shirt on, so it's kind of covered up. But if I just, I didn't know when I kind of come and grabbed your arm like this and said, hey, brother, your first reaction would be to draw back. Why? Because it's hurting. That's just your first reaction. But you give that a little bit of time. Give it two or three years. And I come up and say, hey, brother, you don't even flinch. Why? Because over time. See, time doesn't heal. It helps. People that tell you, oh, time heals everything. Now just When you got a bad case of the flu, just go sit in the doctor's office for six hours. Oh, you just got it. Just sit there for 13 hours where time heals everything. No, it does not. Time helps. Jesus heals. Time helps. Jesus heals. And you keep coming back and bringing it back. You say, how do I know? How do I know when I'm healed, Pastor? That's a good question. I'll tell you when you know. When you no longer have to tell your side of the story. Come on, amen. When you no longer have to tell your side of the story, because you know God knows. And I only tell my story to help others. That's the only reason. Other than that, I don't need to tell it, because I know God's got it. Do you feel the love of Jesus in this room? Do you really? I know I do. If you're a believer, would you just slip your hands up and just tell the Lord I love you? God, you're so good. Mm. Lord, you're just so good. You're, you're just, your spirit is in this room. I don't know who this was for. I know it was for somebody. Somebody that's fearful, anxious, worried, afraid. Lord, you just wanted me to come alongside them and remind them. I know I got to stop. I just love this. I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm long-winded. I just want to come and remind you. Here you go. God promises to guide you when you're confused. God promises to help you when you're tempted. God promises to support you when you're in trouble. God promises to repay those who have hurt you. And I didn't even get to it, but God promises to reward your service and your generosity. Father, thank you again. Lord, only you know my heart. Only you know my heart. But I honestly, God, feel like the most privileged person. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are such a comfort to us. And I want all of us to serve you out of love. I want us to serve you with peace, knowing that you have us. We're in the palm of your hand, and you are guiding our steps, and we can trust you. Now, Lord, I pray, God, for a good night's rest tonight. Give us all a good night's rest, because your word says you give your beloved sleep. Protect us from every evil attack in our minds so that we can rest tonight and wake up in the morning feeling refreshed and bless all of your people and bring us back at the appointed time. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Now, would you just turn around and just share a handshake or a smile or a kind word? Or if you haven't, you don't know that person, just introduce yourself to them.